Listener supported. WNYC Studios. From NewSounds.org, this is a sound check session from our archives. This is the Soundcheck Podcast, bringing you live in-studio performances from NewSounds.org. I'm John Schaefer. Back in 2011, the Australian artist known as Gautier conquered the world with his song called Somebody That I Used to Know. That song was full of unusual sounds. There was that wobbly guitar thing, if that's in fact what it was. And when's the last time you heard a xylophone on a number one song? Well, it turns out that Gautier, real name Wally DeBacker, revels in unusual sounds. In fact, his latest project is a a beautifully produced LP in tribute to Jean-Jacques Perry, an early and perhaps the only virtuoso player of an instrument known as the ondioline. Wally has brought an ondioline into our studio and is going to play some of the vintage songs associated with Jean-Jacques Perry and his 1960s instrument. Here is Wally DeBacker to play a piece called Seagal. Thank you. 
That is Wally DeBacker, a.k.a. Gautier, playing live here in the Soundcheck studio in a, a song called Seagal, uh, which means, uh, is that cicadas? Cicadas, yeah. The cicadas of Provence. First of all, uh, thank you for bringing the instrument into our studio today. How <laughs> <Wow>, well timed. <laughs> Uh, how rude. Um, <laughs> so how did you, I, the, the history of electronic music is littered with strange carcasses of, I mean, it's like dinosaurs, you know, you, if you look at pictures of dinosaurs, how could something like that have possibly existed? Yeah. Electronic music history is kind of like that too, isn't it? Absolutely. In a beautifully fascinating way. Yeah. So and how still so many things hidden. So how did you discover the onduline? Uh, well, it was directly through Jean-Jacques Perry, definitely. I heard his music first in 2005. My friend and music production partner, Frank Titaz, introduced me to Perry and Kingsley's awesome 60s records. And um, I then I lucked out in a thrift shop in Melbourne. I found both the first, the, the two Perry and Kingsley records and Jean-Jacques' solo albums that he made here in New York in the 60s. And over time, I just realized that I, I was so fascinated with the, these varieties of textures that weren't the Moog, um, that weren't his signature sounds. Those things were great, and I loved those aspects of his productions a lot. But it always seemed to be these unusual other things I couldn't quite place, and almost all of that would come back to the onduline. Hmm. So that, yeah, very tic-tac-toe fashion led me to learn more about uh, Georges Genie, the inventor of the instrument, and this relationship that Jean-Jacques and Georges had, with Jean-Jacques being the demonstrator and Georges developing the instrument. And it's led to um, a very, very deep dive in the last few years in particular. Yeah, so it seems, because uh, this LP is just part of a really lavishly produced package. I mean, I'm saying lavish. The, the, the album cover is white with a small black drawing on it, but, you know, immaculately researched, and, you know, it seems like everything you could possibly have committed to vinyl is here. And oh, thank you. Yeah. It's been a real labor of love, I'll be honest. Sort of, I probably... I feel like maybe I put more work and, um, and time into producing this compilation than maybe one of my own records. So uh, is it specifically the Ondioline, or are you in general interested in weird old electric instruments? Yeah, very much so. I mean, I'm interested in anything that makes a sound, but I do have a soft spot for early 20th century, especially tube period things. I think there's um, tube-based amplifiers. I mean, as guitarists well know, but... Mm. Um, instruments from the period before solid state technology really took over. It's a lot of really special things back there. And for me, the onduline is maybe the most special one, certainly the most special monophonic instrument from those days. So, so Jean-Jacques Perry is the guy who was kind of the face of this instrument in yeah. the 60s. But uh, the guy who invented it, Georges Genie, he invented it back... 39, he started working on it. 39? Yeah. He, um, I mean, and it blows your mind even to think that, that was itself already 20 years after Maurice Martineau developed the On Martineau. So, um, you know, those histories go back over a yeah. long time. But um, And the, the theremin in the 1920s as yep. well. Uh, the On Martineau was, was a big instrument in France. The great French composer Messiaen mm. loved that instrument, wrote yeah. for it. Certainly more, quote-unquote, serious composers made, made works for it. It was, it was better known. Yeah. Um, it was more established, I guess, in, through the conservatory, and I think Martineau had connections in the conservatories. I feel like George Jenny is like the underdog. The outsider, of, um, yeah. Yeah, of French electronic musical instruments, and perhaps his instrument's even less remembered because, 
I don't think he made fewer of them than Martineau's, but it, it never probably made its way into the serious music world the same way. It didn't have big pieces composed for it that called right. for an Angeline maybe to be kept alive for an orchestra to access and for a professional player. Um, you know, I feel like there's this community of pro-ondists who play the Martineau, but the Angeline I thought was so unfairly forgotten. <laughs> uh, and there are many reasons why. Um, well, which, it, which we've tried to overcome, me and uh, a technician, Stephen Masucci, who's done all the restorations on this instrument and others. Um, Stephen showed me a picture of this instrument before he got his hands on it, and it's amazing that it is here at all today. Yeah. I, I'm going to come over there because I want you to show me this. Show me around the, uh, the ondioline and... Uh, Explain to us what it is that we're sure. uh, what it is that we're seeing here. So we've got what about a three, a little more than three octaves. Yep, three octaves here, and you can switch with this register switch. Um, so I was in the highest octave before. So uh, it gives you about seven, can be sort of six to seven octaves. Wow! But um, you don't get it. So you know, as you can see, I can press a key count down here, and you don't get a sound until you move this knee lever. So this is your overall uh. envelope. And yeah, you could do things like tremolos with that. But it's very sensitive and gives you a lot of great control. You can really push into the amplifier with great, great drive. And that really affects the tone of different patches because how you, you know, gain into that patch really gives you a different um, response, especially, you know, sort of blowing out the tube amp, I guess, is a, a big part of this sound of this instrument. So this thing that you're currently playing with your hand, that's that's what your left knee is doing while yeah. you're... And when Jean-Jacques was playing the instrument, he developed incredible facility to sit with uh, with a piano on his right hand, uh, left <laughs> hand, accompanying himself stride bass chords in his left, right knee on the lever, and flying all <laughs> over the keys while switching uh, timbres often. So mm. he was incredible. Um, and I, I think he developed a lot of that even in a few months from when he first convinced George Jenny to loan him an ondulian. Uh -huh. And Jenny was obviously so impressed, he said, you should be the demonstrator of this instrument. <laughs> All right, so um, you've got the keyboard, and I noticed the keyboard moves yeah. side to side slightly. So it's uh, it's supplely sort of resting on these springs, and um, that gives you vibrato. So you're actually changing the capacitance of a circuit. There's like a fixed plate here, and then another plate that attaches to the keyboard and moves as you wiggle it, and the, that changes the capacitance of a mm. circuit related to the pitch. And that's what gives it a huge amount of expression versus... Um, other things people would put in a similar category, like the clavioline or the Selma Univox, where um, they feel much more organ-like, much more toy-like, I think, because you don't have anything like this. Right. Well, it's interesting you mention the organ, because just as an organist isn't playing solely on the keyboard, but also changing the stop, pulling out the stops, as they say, yeah. you are also, you have a second set of stuff down here. That's right. We'll hear it more in this next tune. Um, so apart from this lateral moving vibrato, um, it also has beautiful touch sensitivity on the keyboard. That's the one other major thing to talk about. So you can, there's a little box in here which has a thin layer of asbestos. And the way that that compresses when, when you push the whole keyboard down gives you a sort of a... Wow. So it's like 1940s era touch sensitivity. That's amazing. There's a lot you can do just with that. So when you combine that even with subtle movements of a knee lever, you've got a lot of subtle little yeah. envelope shaping controls. But then here, these things, people sort of ask, are these basic waveforms or are they filters? It's sort of neither and both at the same time. So, um, for instance, you know, patches built on the A are things that generally start to resemble a little more violins. Patches built on the B can uh, can be much more um, clarinet-like, even. 
Um, but then all sorts of other things are possible. I really like the way that things built on the C can sound quite horn-like. And then um, the cool thing down here is you can, you can obviously play with these things if you're using your knee for the overall volume. That's uh, it's striking how close that is to synthesis. It really is, yeah. You know the the idea of putting this there's, there's a putting different forms to together. It, yeah. yeah, and the big thing I think that um that Jenny worked on um when he evaluated the On Martino and the Theremin was that he thought that uh, both those instruments super heterodyning system of creating their sound of you know beating together two super high frequencies beyond our hearing range to result in a third frequency that we can hear right. that it just wasn't rich enough in harmonics to make a real musical instrument you know that could anywhere approach the claims that they would make it can sound like every instrument yeah, in the yeah, orchestra yeah. and you know Jenny made the same claims for his instrument but he decided to go for a multi vibrator oscillator in the audio frequency range and I think it's just a beautiful sounding oscillator combined with a beautiful tube amplifier. So you get a very rich harmonic spectra to start with. And the way that he then sort of subtracts from that cutting in with um, very often complex, interesting combinations of capacitors and coils behind these switches um, is just, well, it's very human, I find, the vocal quality of them. I didn't follow any of that sentence except for the very end, but I agree with you 100%. So I'm going to get out of the way and let you uh, perform another piece for us. Yes. Um, Wally DeBacker, a.k.a. Gautier, is with us here in the studio. Is this another Jean-Jacques Perry piece that you're about to it play? It is. This is one of my favorites. Um, Jean-Jacques used to love talking about uh, all, the, all these explorations of cartoon music, very unashamedly so. Um, and he had such a beautiful way of manipulating this instrument in particular to make these wildly cartoony sounds. So this is um, an early thing he did not too many years after he'd moved here to New York from his native France, around 1962-63. It's a song called Chicken on the Rocks. All right, Wally DeBacker, live on Soundcheck. <laughs> Thank you. 
Oh, the poor Ondioline. No major <laughs> composers wrote for it. <laughs> and now we can see why. No, no. Uh, that is, that's a pretty funny bit of sound from, uh, from Jean-Jacques Perry, uh, Chicken on the Rocks from Wally DeBacker and his Ondioline. Do you have just the one or do you collect these things? Uh, I've collected a number now, which is, feels a little absurd to say because I spent five years not being able to find even one. Wow. And then when this, um, as we said before, very kind of compromised instrument came my way and Steve and I decided to try to fully restore it, it took a year and a half. And through that period, I don't know, it's like the universe started sending them my way um, <laughs> after, after all these years of searching. So I've collected a number now. We've restored, uh, we've got two fully restored instruments from this 50s period in the show, plus a backup. And there's also uh, a very early we call a long body instrument that doesn't have a speaker or an amplifier in it that um, Stephen's also restored. And we're looking at various other models at the moment too to try to um, really revive the technical work behind the instruments so that hopefully others could also restore them to a high level. And um, yeah. So what does your Onduline orchestra consist of in addition to two or three of these Ondulines? There is uh, Theremin, played by one Rob Schwimmer, who I know has been on the show before. Mm -hmm. uh, Rob's also playing a bunch of Moogs um, and keyboards, pianos. We've got a rhythm section, guitar, bass, and drums. And then our other keyboardist, Joe McGinty, does various organs and other wild Moogie patches. So the things that the laptop is taking care of today, the kind of backing track yeah. stuff, is all done live. That's actually that's um, the first performance we did with the Ondelian Orchestra in November last year. It's sort of a little mix of, of that performance that I did when oh. I'm playing solo. Yeah. Wow. And the other big one is, I guess, I'm triggering samples on a launch pad here next to the Ondelian from Jean-Jacques kind of signature collection, the things that he's maybe better known for, these wild music concrete style burps and squiggles and incredible pops that he wove into these wonderful melodic rhythmic loops, um, starting with the Perry and Kingsley records. So he was on the scene here in New York, Jean-Jacques Perry. He was, In yeah. the 60s and 70s. What was he known for? I mean, was he known as an electronic music? Was he? Did he do commercial music? What? What? He did do some commercial work. Yeah, he um, he wrote music for children's television. He worked with Angelo Badalamenti. They wrote for Captain Kangaroo on American television. Really? Yeah. Um, there's a song in the show we play, which Angelo actually composed. It was unreleased until it it came out on this compilation. Beautiful song called Danielle of Amsterdam. that Jean-Jacques gave a beautiful voice with his wild ondulene playing. Jean-Jacques' period in New York was really uh, a huge expansion for him. He'd already done some wonderful things in France. He played with Charles Trenet, went on tour with Trenet. Um, There's a Charles <coughs> Trenet song on this there compilation There is, a beautiful well. song. Yeah. yeah, It's called The Soul of the Poets. Longtemps, longtemps, longtemps Après que les poètes ont disparu Leurs chansons and it's the first time that Jean-Jacques ever played um, an Ondulian on a pop recording, 1951. When did he pass away? 
it's only a couple of weeks before we did our show, actually. So him and his daughter, Patricia, were due to join us, which itself had sort of felt touch and go because um, he'd, he'd sort of said, well, I guess I should say I, I met the man over the last few years before he passed, so we spent a lot of time together. It's one of the things that actually led to these projects. Yeah. Um, so he was very much involved in it. I mean, he knew that you were resurrecting his old work. Trying and, to, yeah. yeah. I got to. I flew out just before he passed and went to see him in hospital and showed him this compilation. And I have a very fond memory of him. He was very much in and out of a kind of morphine haze, but he came out of it at one point sitting by the window in his hospital room and was just looking at this jacket and the record and you know the track list and, and the booklet especially because it's such a you know kind of thick booklet with lots of color photographs and he had this beautiful smile on his face just like of i don't know i think he took great pleasure that people would discover a lot of these things that had been sort of hidden in his early work well you know i i just have to say uh on a, a personal note that you were in the position after winning all those awards the aria awards the grammys and stuff where you could do anything and do it for yourself and the fact you've taken so much time to do something for someone else to bring back a music that was essentially lost i just find you know that's a really that's a really great thing oh thanks Uh, john i mean i really but my follow-up question is why why is it important that we have this music you know that we have jean-jacques perry et son ondioline as the (laughs) album says why is it why is it worth your while to do this and our while to hear it? Uh, I mean, for me, I guess, for me, it's worth my while because I just feel um, so passionately drawn to it. Um, I love the sound of the instrument. I love what Jean-Jacques was able to coax out of it. There's a spirit there in his music, I think, is you don't hear in a lot of music. There's a, there's a wink in the eye. I feel it's beautiful in so much of his stuff. But there's also, I think, a deep melancholy that comes out in some of his music. So as a, as maybe as a curator, I had a bit of a self-held aspiration to put some other feathers in his cap, so to speak, because mm. I thought he was a, much, a musician with maybe, maybe even greater depth than he actually had been celebrated for. And it's not that he hasn't been celebrated. He lived long enough to enjoy quite a lovely second wind in his career and people rediscovering his records. But sometimes I felt that it was cheapened a little bit by being sort of thrown into the Exotica cheesecake basket. And that there was more to his work than that, especially as I kept getting these beautiful artifacts from him and from his daughter, Patricia, that revealed unreleased songs that I thought were amongst his best work. So it also the spirit of just giving something back because he's given me so much incredible energy with his music. I can't think of something sort of nicer to do than... (laughs) then try to make a really beautiful project in tribute to that. But why Why is it important? Why do we need it? I don't know. I think, um, I mean, I don't know, existentially, <laughs> why is anything important? The only thing I can say at the moment is there's a lot going on in the world that is pretty distasteful. There's there's a lot of negative energy. There's a lot of music that if it that isn't necessarily buying to that negative energy, I think it... it um, it at least feels there's a high level of maybe banality and sort of the industrialization of the way pop music is written and produced. And I hear a spirit and uh, a warmth and a humor in Jean-Jacques' music that I think is a beautiful antidote to that. So I think that's why it should exist again and be listened to again. That's a great answer. All right. Wally DeBacker, a.k.a. Gautier, is uh, with us here in the studio today. So... Uh, the, the last piece you played for us, Wally, uh, sh- showed the more kind of 60s, goofy, exotica quality. This this next work, although much shorter, is something else again, isn't it? It is. It's from um, uh, from a musical that was written by Billy Goldenberg, who um, after this 60s period where he collaborated with Jean-Jacques, um, went on to win Emmy Awards and composed lots of well-known themes for television and film and worked with Steven Spielberg. Um 
But in the 60s, uh, he adapted Ray Bradbury's Dandelion Wine to a musical stage with his friend Larry Alexander doing the lyrics. Um, and I thought the melody that he wrote for the, the sort of overture, the main theme of Dandelion Wine was such a gorgeous piece. There was a rehearsal recording made of Billy on piano, Jean-Jacques on lead on Dioline. Jean-Jacques was one of a small ensemble with Billy of maybe four or five people who played accompanying that show. It was only performed five times, if I'm right, in 1967 at the Lincoln Center, hmm. and then never performed again. And this rehearsal recording was one of, I think, uh, Billy and Jean-Jacques confirmed only maybe three or four copies that were made just for the guys in the band to listen to and keep in touch with the show. So it really was a lost work. Um, and I just loved this melody so much. It's one of my... It's so short, as you said, but it's one of my favorite melodies of all time, I think. So this is Dandelion Wine by Billy Goldenberg and Jean-Jacques Perry. Wally DeBacker, live on Soundcheck. That is Dandelion Wine, inspired by a classic Ray Bradbury story, associated with uh, the the Ondioline player Jean-Jacques Perry. Was there ever anybody else, Wally, who was associated with that instrument to the extent that he was? Um, rock and roll fans sometimes remember Al Cooper, because Al Cooper was sure. a fan of the Ondioline and was jamming on it on um, some of the Super Session recordings, so you can hear it on things he did with, my, uh, with, with Bloomfield. Okay. Um, and he, in, in really stark contrast with Jean-Jacques' deft mastery of vibrato, I find, like Al's generally like going wild with his sort of fast left hand. Mm. Um, so very different sound to it. And to me, sort of more like things that you probably could do on a clavulin or univox, whereas I think what I love is that Jean-Jacques really found all these particular expressive things that kind of only the ondulin, I think, could do and, and really took them to a beautiful higher level of expression. Now, have you written anything for this instrument? Bits and pieces. So I'm hoping to feature it. I actually would like to make a, a tribute song to George Jenny on my album using just Onduline sound. So that's now that I guess this compilation has been produced, we've done a number of these shows, and now that they've survived a tour to Australia, <laughs> come back uh, post-tour of duty, we um, uh, Stephen has sort of calibrated them to the point where hopefully I can focus on recording in the studio with them. So we can look forward to hearing the Onduline on the next Gautier record. Yeah. When do you think that will be? I'm hoping there'll be some songs out this year. There's a number of things finished. Um, I'm kind of just looking at what the last few things to bring it together are. Yeah. And this, I guess, um, an ondulene piece would be one key thing that I really want to be on there. So okay. it's one of the next things to work on. And down the road, the Stylophone, the Chamberlain, <laughs> the VCS3. I mean, there's all, you, could, you could mine this for the rest of your life if you wanted to. <laughs> it, it does feel like, yeah, some of the worlds of um, projects I've set for myself. Yeah, they've... They, 
there's an endless quality and, uh, and a feeling like you can just kind of keep following these pieces of string in so many directions. It's a great yeah. feeling, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Wally DeBacker is the, uh, the singer, songwriter, composer behind the, uh, the Gautier albums and this new recording, a tribute to Jean-Jacques Perry and his Ondioline. Wally, great to have you with us here in the studio today. Thank you so much. Thanks, John. been listening to an episode of the Soundcheck podcast from our archives. Our technical director is Irene Trudell. Our producer is Karen Havlick. I'm John Schaefer. You can see and hear much more on our website. Check it out at newsounds.org. <laughs>